Welcome travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your not-so-humble guides on the quest for RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. On our show, we feature diverse tabletop RPG systems, demonstrating them through actual plays and breaking down the rules to provide you with tips, tools, and techniques to help you navigate them. We also love bringing the content creators behind these games into the studio to give you a peek behind the curtain with relevant and insightful interviews. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world or system you're playing. Because detailed settings, heroic characters, diverse NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Now, here's a word from today's sponsor. Hello there, adventure. Get ready to embark on an epic journey with Mythcraft RPG. Mythcraft is the ultimate TTRPG system and universe brought to you by the Homebrew Network in partnership with Quasi Real Publishing. With one of the most robust character creation systems on the market, you'll have the power to design and play your dream character in a huge, narratively rich universe. Choose from 14 lineages, 11 classes, countless occupation and profession options, and a ton of talents. Discover endless intriguing and unique combinations to create your perfect hero. And the best part? You'll get new options for your character with a new talent point every level. Mythcraft needs your support to make this happen. Sign up for pre-launch updates at MythcraftRPG.com and get ready to embark on the adventure of a lifetime. Mythcraft RPG opens on Kickstarter on March 15th, and you won't want to miss out on this thrilling journey. Let's do this. That's MythcraftRPG.com. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. So we're really excited to be continuing our Next feature month here, uh, celebrating International Women's Month here on Tabletop Journeys with another awesome interview from a, a voice in the TRPG space. But before we introduce tonight's guest, Mr. Myers, Mr. Miller, good evening. How are things uh, further south than me right now? We're getting pummeled with snow once again, so that's a kind of a regular thing here in February, so I can't complain too strenuously. But how are things with you guys? For me, I walked out of the house after I got out of the day job and in a t-shirt and a sweater and hopped in the car and drove partially windows down for a little bit, got a bit chilly, rolled the windows back up and sauntered back. I'm just kidding. Totally messing with you. It's actually fairly cold, but no, things have been great. Very excited you know, to keep giving updates. The Star Trek game rolls on. We've got good work on several of the episodes that we're going to be wor working on throughout the campaign series. Completed all the character builds, working on now piecing those backstories into some of the episodes that, that we're putting together. The scope has expanded on the whole thing, so it's an actual play that's going to be very fun. I'm very excited. We've done actual plays for a little over two, close to two years now. Close to two years now, yeah. yeah. And I can say without a doubt, I am very excited. This is probably going to be the biggest long-term actual play project we've done yep. to date, and so much support from the folks at, at, at Modifius. Regular conversations with so many people and uh, I'll give tons of shout outs when we get to that. But yeah, totally. I'm when jazzed. we make that big announcement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hinting at it, but uh, but let's sure there's Star Trek coming. So yeah. How about you, Mr. Myers? How are you, sir? I know you're you're stuck in you're stuck in Connecticut for another little while before before the RV takes uh, takes flight again and heads to Florida. But yeah, I'm not going to Florida you. first anymore. But yeah, it'll be back to Virginia <laughs> Beach. Flor Florida's <laughs> been next for this year just because of the way that the things. Sure, went. sure. And I'm glad we stayed. I am because despite some of our our potential setback from our surge issue, etc., we thought about going again. But it turns out that we did have a power problem from that surge issue mm -hmm. and it set our 
converter on a slow death spiral. We just had it replaced. Yeah. So now we are plugged in at a campground with full 30 amp service because when we're at boondocking at a house, we only got 15. Mm-hmm. To make sure everything's working right on full power with the new part. And then we'll be back over to the yeah. where we were before. And eventually we will leave winter behind us and not return to it again <laughs> unless it is you know, by choice. I have to say, I, I love the road warrior lifestyle that you're taking on. And honestly, the change in your travel plans has been way more entertaining than anything else so far. So it's like the hypothetical trips that you're taking with with Trish right? have just been have been amazing. So that's well, I can't wait till you did. actually go on the road. <laughs> we're doing smaller trips now. The, to the Hyper Thorn Deck, yeah. <laughs> in March, we're going to go down to Maryland to visit my sister and my brother-in-law. Nice. And they're about an hour outside of D.C., which means two-plus hours in traffic. Yeah, yeah. So we'll stay with them for a couple of days, and then we'll move to somewhere closer to D.C. and go visit the Smithsonian or something for a day or two and come back. Nice. And then and the end of April, we're going to go to Virginia Beach <laughs> via Gettysburg with a delay because they're not yeah, lined yeah. up in the slide. First, we're going to go to Gettysburg in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And then real subtle, we're going to hook a left and go over to Virginia Beach for uh, Trisha's sister. And my learning of the Savage Worlds game for the new game that Marty's going to run with my Friday group. Uh-huh. I just created my first Savage Worlds race. Technoids. Nice. Savage Worlds is a game that we a, need to dive into more. Yeah. They live in a collective, but they don't have a hive mind. However, every individual is a collective of tiny bioorganic nanoids that make nanites that maintain the body. Nice. Before this episode spins too wildly out of control, then let's go ahead and, uh, and rein this back in here and introduce tonight's guest so we can start start picking her brain about her latest game, A Divine Calling. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to introduce you to Crystal Norton. Crystal, welcome to Tabletop Journeys and the insanity that, that ensues. <laughs> Hi, Crystal. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So we promised that we've been gentle. You said that this is your first interview talking about the game and everything like that. So we promise that we'll be gentle. But I made no such can, promise. <laughs> before, we get into, uh, before we get into our very gentle questioning tell us a little bit about a, about a divine calling and what's uh, what's the layout of the game your turn to shine what's about your baby <laughs> it is my, my second ever game so a divine calling comes from my love of reading ya young adult fiction specifically reading action stuff so i've always been a big fan of the chosen one trope i grew up on harry potter i grew up on percy jackson i grew up on Hunger Games, things like that, where essentially you have to be a teenager and defeat the big bad guy. So that's where A Divine Calling came in, first started out as They Came From Gods. We modified the name to A Divine Calling. It fits a lot better. But essentially, you are playing a normal average high schooler, and your entire job is to go to high school, go to prom, fall in love, discover yourself, maybe not fall in love, do whatever you want go to college, not go to college. But then here comes a deity of your choosing who says, hey, I've chosen you to defeat this ancient evil cult called the Void. They want to basically destroy the world because we said, sometimes we like people, sometimes we curse people. And as gods, we cursed them. And they said the world would be better off without the gods. So for eons and centuries and millennia, they've been trying to rid the world of the gods. And it is your job, you normal average high schooler, to defeat them. That does not sound sound imposing at all, that me normal. Because I remember what I was like in high school, and I certainly was not in any position to go ahead and take down those who the gods had cursed. So that's, that sounds absolutely fantastic. And I'm really excited that uh, in a couple of days here, we're going to be recording our March featured actual play with you. Uh, so we can actually go ahead and, and sit down and roll up some characters and play through uh, through a scenario with you. So that'll be an awful lot right. of fun. So I am looking forward to that too. Yeah. And I totally get what you're saying, Josh, because for me in high school, it was all I could do just to get through the day and navigate the freaking <laughs> right. halls. I didn't have yeah. time to be defending the world or any of yeah. that crap. Yeah. Speak for yourself. I, in high school, wanted nothing more than to defend and protect the world and destroy evil out there in the universe. I had the desire. I did it through role-playing games with you and some other friends, but while I was in school, I had no time for any of that nonsense. I was prepping that whole time to join the army, which I did at 17 while I was in high school. My goal was to fight the bad guy. So I I was all about it in high school, but the reality of high school tripped me up an awful lot. Yeah. Without any further ado, let us let's roll initiative and see who gets to go first. That's a five for me. That ain't me. Eighteen. 
18 right. also. Oh, all right. All right. He has here we the go. higher decks. Oh, neither one of them. That's a push. So we're going to have them both roll. I again. have the higher decks. He has the higher decks. He does have the higher decks. That's fine. If Luanika is cool with it, then you can go first. My younger years, off. I was probably a 12. But about now, I'm probably coming in at a 10 or an 11, would be my guess. We'll find out this oh. weekend. I'm doing some dexterity stuff this weekend. We'll see how I do, and we'll I'll see. report yeah, back. Exactly. Uh, we'll see if you can stand uh, up on Monday. Episode. All right, Glenn, I guess the microphone is yours then, sir. I was just objecting to being called undexterous. Question. We can <laughs> roll all off. All dex and not a wit of wisdom. Whoa, shots freaking fired, kid. Shots <laughs> freaking fired. Well, that was hot. That was nice for you. Just once again, proof that even a blind squirrel finds that acorn once in a while. So, Crystal, I uh, I love the concept behind A Divine Calling. Mind you... I also read the Percy Jackson novels when my son was reading them. But I grew up on things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that, that whole teenage hero thing. So it's been around for a long time, so I could really get behind it. Now, as I was looking into it and the way that you wrote it, I wanted to ask what your inspiration was specifically behind choosing to basically create the, cla- the character classes as high school cliques. All right, I can see where the inspiration comes from, but... <laughs> I want you to talk to that point a little bit and elaborate on it because I loved them. And I got to say, I think you nailed some of the differences between the different cliques. As an example, I love the difference between an overachiever and a nerd being that an overachiever is going to get good grades and do all of the extracurricular assignments and every bit of extra credit, et cetera, to get their good grades versus a nerd who they don't really care that much about school. They still good grades, but they're off playing PTRPGs and doing big dorky stuff and one day they'll be your boss love that and i gotta say that the stoner speaks to my spirit animal so yeah talk to me about the clips clicks how you came up with the different pieces of them and i like the weeb too beautiful touch so yeah i babble and digress but please take it away talk to us about yeah. the clips. to be perfectly honest when i first started sitting down to work on this game i was trying to figure out a way to figure out like a class combo kind of situation i didn't really have anything other than deities in the beginning my friend recently Not recently. My friend really loves Colton Haynes, who is on Arrow. He's also on Teen Wolf way back when I was really into Teen Wolf. So I said, you live with me now. I can subject you to my TV shows. And I put on Teen Wolf and we started watching Teen Wolf. So Teen Wolf stuff started popping up on my TikTok, my Facebook, all these different things. And then as I was kind of watching it, all these different things that were popping up, that titular meme that's who are you going to sit with at the lunch table came up, but it had all the Teen Wolf characters. And I was like, wait, who am I going to sit with? Because that kind of defines who you are in high school. Where do you sit at lunch? Who do you hang out with? And I was like, wait, you have to figure out where you sit at lunch. That will define who you are in your everyday life, which is the aspect that it's your everyday life versus your not everyday life. So really seeing that meme was like, wait, that's it. That's what I should do. And so then from there, I went and started going back thinking about who I hung out with in high school, different things like that. We added Weeb because that's what I am. (laughs) That's where I was in high school. I was the theater geek and I was also really into anime and manga. So that's why Weeb ended up on my list. Weeb has had a few name changes every now and then, but we always have just gone back to weeb because if i go to five anime conventions a year and i call myself a weeb i think that's the right label at this point yeah no doubt that's <laughs> we, we have difficulty the only other thing i could come up with yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent crystal i loved the high school cliques i grew up in the 80s and we had high school cliques were everything it was mm-hmm. every big movie Every summer, there was at least two, three movies when I was really young and should not have been watching the film. We had Fast Times at Ridgemont High, going into The Breakfast Club and all these other movies and several others that have not aged well and I'm not going to mention now. But So I grew up knowing that, and then I grew up and went to junior high school and high school in the 80s where cliques were everything. Like I hear some podcasters talking about how – are clicks really like that? That can't be like that. And I'm like, every movie I've seen that clicks were, while there are exaggerations, that is pretty much my high school experience. Glenn went 
we went to junior high school together and then we were in two different high schools, but we experienced a lot of extreme clickiness and all the bad things that went along with that. But there were some good things as well. I always consider like looking at these lists of clicks and how I was, I think I very firmly sit amongst the floaters. And as I went to then look at the pyramid you built, I thought about how, where did the floaters actually sit? And it sat pretty well exactly where I would have positioned myself in the hierarchy of high school as well, despite the fact that I got along well with at least three or four people in every group. There's no group that I didn't have friends with then, and I still have friends with, still am friends with now. And so I thought you really captured that well. Jumping right into my question is you developed traits and abilities and mechanical weight to go along with all of these things. You mentioned that you're a weed, but which of the clicks that are here and maybe you want to give the listeners a quick briefing on what the clicks are which of the clicks did you think was probably the hardest one to find a mechanical trait that balanced within the scope of the game but was still very indicative of that click yeah definitely so we have 13 clicks just kind of i'll list them real quick so we have the popular kids we have the jocks the floaters the overachievers the fine arts kids the nerds the stoners the goths the weaves and then of course your loners i added in floater and loner because i was like we need that outcast situation with floater specifically i wanted to give my players the chance to really dig into two areas it sucks being in like a game where you really pigeonholed in your class. So you're like, I can only do this one thing. I think Floater really gives my players a chance to, I want to be super nerdy, but I also want to play football, things like that. I really think that's what Floater allows them to do. And I think Floater probably was the one I gave the most attention to because that was the main concept I had behind it. But when you get down to it, the hardest thing I had to do was with my fine arts kids because there's just so many things. Originally, we didn't have the uh, mechanics that kind of work for fine arts. So when you have a fine arts kids, you can either put all of your stuff into creativity or you can put all of your stuff in to perform your heart out, which is social. So you have one that is based on mental and then you have one that's based on social. So your mental arts being like physical artists, things like that, versus band, choir, theater, things like that, which was perform your heart out. So I hadn't really thought about the mechanical use of fine arts kids. I was like, it'll be nice. The fine arts kids can also work with Apollo and be creative and all these different things. And then we sat down at the table And my friend said, so what do I roll to paint? And I said, I don't know. What do you roll to paint? And so they looked at me and we had probably like a 45 minute discussion, which we didn't get anything done in that session, but it really helped me be like, there's more to this. And so again, fine arts was my hardest one to do, which sadly is where I would have aligned myself with in school because I was the stage manager, things like that. I did theater. So it was kind of weird to think that I had just glossed over in my own brain this whole part of what made me a person and what makes a lot of people who they are. Interesting. Thank you. Yeah. And that's interesting. So, because as I'm looking through here, and I don't know if this is a recent change or what, but I'm reading through the fine arts, it says that you get benefit to social or to physical. And so has that changed now to from social, physical to to two different socials? like I, maybe yes, I'm, okay. it's moved to, it was originally physical and yep. it recently moved to mental. So we have yep. mental okay. and we have social. So mental yeah. would be your like sculpting and things like that. Because sure. even though I wanted to put those into like physical dexterity kind of things like that, then I would have had to have three different roles and it would have been yeah, harder yeah, yeah. <laughs> to break it down. So I just sure. threw all those into mental. Yep. No, totally. No, that makes sense to me. And that kind of something that you said in there where you're talking about like the interaction between the floater and Apollo and everything like that really opens exactly to the question that I wanted to go ahead and ask. And it has to do with that combination of the click and the deity powers that you get, which kind of, I want to talk about kind of the combinations because the combinations are numerous. So what, 13, 13 clicks plus 20 gods or something like that. So a ton of combinations in here. Which combinations do you think are like the most fun to put together or that kind of have the most synergy, either from a mechanical or from a gameplay point of view? Yeah, I think it's always fun to just kind of lean into it. If you want to 
if you're like one of those min-maxers, you want to get the absolute most out of a specific thing. So like being a jock and taking a war god. So being a jock who does track and field and they like are a pole vaulter and working with like Ares, for example. Because with Ares, you're like strong, you get essentially double strike, things like that. But it's also really fun to watch people be like, I'm a jock and I work with Apollo and he likes beautiful, pretty art things. But the reason I work with Apollo is because he's a sun god and I never have rain during any of my games. Never rained out. Always sunny. Interesting. Yeah, I do really want to yeah. see someone do something super impractical, though, with my game. <laughs> I want someone to be a popular kid who ends up with a death god. Like, Miss Happy Bubbly Cheerleader, Queen Bee, Apex Predator, but works with Hades. Oh, I can rock that. Yeah. Like <laughs> I would love like... that. I love... I, I just... I in my heart, want to see all the weird combos. We'll make sure and throw some weird combos at you when we play on Sunday. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, I'm, cool. I'm, ideas are formulating. Kind of have you, a. You didn't I realize what a, kind of weirdos you had coming on here. Yeah. So like, had, I love that. <laughs> no idea the kind of strangers we can get up to. <laughs> I'm currently leaning towards Stoner with a God of the Heart. But who are you going to play on Sunday? Yes. Yeah. So Glenn is going to be in the game. Is what I do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We've done that before too, where we all play ourselves. That's always fun too. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, I think that brings, that, us up, cook. that brings us up to, to round two, gentlemen. Initiative at the ready. Let's see if I can crawl out of the basement here. Don't botch. That's a 19 for me. No botch. I'll see y'all next round. Oh, <laughs> he botched. <laughs> we got Glenn. 16. 16. Oh, how did I not hear the first Did time? you crit fail, Leonika? Are you at disadvantage next round? I'm disadvantage next round. Disadvantage <laughs> next round. All right. So with a 19, see, I go worst to first. I do this all the time and I love it. It allows me to go ahead and ask two questions back to back. And I'm going to stick to the God angle here. So the thing that struck me about the rule set as I was reading through it is it reminded me of another game that I'm not sure, like nobody's ever heard of it, but it's a game called, and Nobilis had the same aspect to it where you are ostensibly an ordinary person but you have this this connection to the other world and the way that it plays out in nobilis is very strange and mystical and everything like that it's actually far more straightforward in your game so kudos on that front but i guess i wanted to know reading through the rules here i also see there's a lot of like powered by the apocalypse influence in here and the way that like not just from like the 2d2 the 2d6 dice mechanic but also the kind of maneuver aspect that you have to a lot of like combinations and everything like that so that's really what i wanted to get into is what do you think are the games that their dna is in this game if if, if our listeners enjoy xyz game but that this game would feel familiar to them Yeah. So I think about this question a lot because I came from writing Twitter where you live your life by comps. So when I came over to tabletop writing and tabletop Twitter, I spent a lot of time refining what I call my comps. Um, So I really love, love Monster of the Week. And I love, love, love the Kids On series. So I really wanted to lean into kind of this more normalcy kind of thing. But a lot of the idea for the way I built my classes. So when I picked clicks and deities, a lot of that comes from Glitter Hearts. I really love the way Glitter Hearts is set up. And a lot of the way that I've been writing kind of the structure for my lore weavers comes a lot from Brundlewood Bay. And then just like the way they say you should write your scenes and things like that for yours. I am working currently on writing out the different way to run the game for long form versus short form. So working on getting those just kind of perfectly aligned is what I'm working on. Excellent. Nice. Actually, I so I just got I just got kids on bikes. The, they did their latest Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Just got my kids on bike stuff, and I haven't even started. I haven't even read through it yet. I just got it like the other day, and so I'm very much excited to, to go ahead and start pouring through second edition. There, they're yeah. working on a game called Kids and Capes, and I am beyond excited. I love superheroes. <laughs> Big superhero nerd. I learned to read on Captain America comics. My grandfather, who raised me, was very into Captain America. So kids on kids and capes is like where it's at right now in my brain. I'm nice. like, I need this to come out today. I want to play it today. <laughs> we are big fans of superheroes. The other two, maybe more so than I am, but uh, certainly much love for superheroes and superhero games. Like we did an actual play not long ago. That was a take on masks, the next, the next generation, but it was called masks, the worst generation. So it's like, an, yeah, is an anime masks crossover. A ton of fun. Any of, the, 
manga influences yeah. into San Francisco, the yeah. city yeah. that he built for the game. And yeah. Very similar to the ways that Teen Titans Academy, that series worked out by DC, and it had a very similar feel, but more manga-styled game than another Power by the Apocalypse that was designed specifically to bring up Teen Titan Academy. I listened to a podcast that did that. The Control Group did a playtest of that. And nice. great episodes, by the way. Shout out to the Control Group. They do a great job there. But that was very cool. I liked this better. Part of it was the crew I was rolling with. The other part was the manga influence made it different enough. I'm such a Teen Titans fan. I spent most of my time listening to the other game saying I wanted it to be more Teen Titans than it was. This was its own thing. And I get that feeling here. While it has those familiarities with other style games in the media or other types of stories, the chosen one trope, it is not any of those things, at least what I'm seeing, and therefore it allows you to just feel comfortable with it, but be in this moment, which is actually a very difficult needle to thread. So I have two, and I've been really trying to decide which one I wanted to go with next. <laughs> which one is most likely to be asked by one of the other hosts, thus yep. scooping my question? Oh. So it's important to choose, right? <laughs> I'm going to start with the stats. I won't go to, I'm not even going to say it out loud, or somebody will definitely scoop. <laughs> I would do it on GP. Just go. I know you would. I know you would. Like, I got questions, but I will take yours just because it's fun for me. Continuing to work on the way that you broke down the mechanics in the game, because I really liked the simplicity of what went behind the characters while still maintaining enough diversity to have many game applications. And the way you divided up your stats, you went broad, which I like because it speeds things up and it makes it less important whether or not you're incredibly dexterous or incredibly strong or incredibly tough or all three. And you have just physical for all things that have to do with the physical body. Um, mental for knowledge, Obviously, social, super important in high school. But the one that I wanted specifically to ask you to talk about was the divine stat, because that's like the wild card stat. The other three are pretty straightforward for a high school student. Your jocks are going to need the physical. Your nerds are going to need the mental. Your so Everybody who's trying to climb the social pyramid is going to need the social. But since every player is a host, too, everybody's got to need divine. So talk to us about that unique stat, the unique stat of divine and how it's used in the game to activate abilities or powers or influence how well your hero or heroine performs while fighting the void. So... One thing that I really wanted to focus on with my game is I'm a very big about diversity and inclusion at my tables, and I want my games to be beginner-friendly. It's very important to me that someone who's never played tabletop can pick up my game, go, I own Monopoly, I have 2D6, I can play this game because it's beginner-friendly and things like that. So that's why I did four main stats. Divine really is that, like you said, it's the wild card stat. It is used for anything you really want it to be used for. I did give specific people more divine. So my goths are more in touch with the divine. And then my magic users get bonuses to divine. So if you work with like Hecate, for example, Morgana Le Fay, for example, just because you have a magic deity means you have more access to divine features. But... Divine can really be used for anything. It can be used to call back to what you once knew. If you're taking a test, you don't know the answer. Maybe Apollo does. You can roll Divine for that. If you're trying to figure something out and you're like, I wasn't alive then. I'm terrible at history. Roll Divine. See if your your deity can tell you. If you want to make a, if you want to shoot fireballs and burn down the forest, happened in my game. Roll Divine. See if you make a crit and now you burn down the whole forest. It's really for activating it and giving your players a chance to step into those special moments to shine. Of course, if you fail, you don't get the bonus. And one of the things I did was I took away crit fail and crit success from divine because I felt like it was unfair for anyone to get a crit fail on a divine. Your God is with you. You shouldn't 
absolutely crit fail. Unless you, unless they are super mad at you, you've scorned them, things like that, then it's up to your lore weaver to figure that out. But no one has, I felt it was unfair and no one should be punished for just rolling some bad dice on that one specifically. I wanted all my players to have a chance to shine in their moments. I did like that. I noticed that there were two that you had crit successes and crit failures come out of healing and divine. And healing makes sense also because you're healing somebody and you roll a crit failure and now you make them worse. Depending, if you're an untrained person working with like a scalpel, maybe that can happen. But if you're talking about healing magic, that shouldn't be the case. <laughs> so I did really like that. So for, awesome. I like it. Thanks. Of course. I am so enjoying sitting here, listening to you talk about the stats, while also going through the clicks and the gods and thinking, oh man, a goth with the sun god affiliation, like, that could be fun. Yeah. I'm just sitting over here having so much fun, like, putting this stuff together. That's yeah. Just a little teaser, you guys will be running a level five campaign. Ooh. Oh, so we will have... You will have ultimate hours. access. Mm. That changes things a little <laughs> yeah. bit. It does. I'm thinking I really wanted to not build myself. But now <laughs> that you say that, that's going to be tough to not try to build my idealized high school self because, well, idealized me. Um <laughs> Do you want early access to every Tabletop Journeys episode? How about exclusive content, live broadcasts, and the chance to throw dice with your favorite hosts and fellow fans? Or, heck, do you just want to support the show? Join our Patreon today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. We have tiers to fit any budget for a monthly commitment, or you can make a one-time contribution to the cause. We love doing the show for y'all, and support helps us keep creating and producing great content for you. So join us today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. I'm going to go back into one of the things I mentioned. I mentioned the fact that I also am a fan of the Chosen One trope. It's one of my favorite tropes in literature. There are so many. I actually like them all on some level, but the Chosen One trope goes back as far as D'Artagnan for me. While it is not as pronounced and divine in nature, it is clearly his belief in himself that he's the Chosen One. He has to do this thing. And I really lean into that a lot, and I love the fact that this game is about that. But what I found was interesting to separate this from other IPs that are out there is that this is – Something where we're talking about a team of chosen ones. And other than, I think, Percy Jackson, I don't think I've ever come across it. And even within Percy Jackson, while the others have their abilities and they're all descended from these powerful entities, Percy Jackson's the only one that really counts in this in that CP. So I was wondering how you took, I want to do something utilizing this great trope. And then now, how do I make that about a group versus an individual and their supporting characters? When you think about it, you think about like deities, just in general, they always have a pantheon. Of course, you have the person in charge, Zeus, but Zeus really can't take care of all of the people who are under him because he just needs support. He needs help. You can, theoretically, it is in the rules, you can all play with the same god, with the same deity type, and that would be a great game to watch, honestly, but... The idea is that you need help. You may not be very good at running. You may have really bad flee. So you have really bad physical stats. You may need the people who can give you the ability to reroll your dice. Whether, for instance, allows you to, when you get to level five, reroll 2d6 and take the higher of the two rolls, essentially. You can do it three times a day. Or you may need the little cheeky person in your group. You may need a trickster god. So you may need someone who can literally steal the abilities of others to help you. You don't know what you need until you come to the table. So while it is, you know, about the chosen one and you are the one, you're the one for this god. You may not even be just the only one for that god. You may just be the one for this god in this school. But that's up to your lore weaver. It's really just about being able to come to the table and all together sit down, 
roll dice, have fun, and be cooperative. My rules are written cooperatively. You'll notice with my crit fails and my crit successes, I say, work together with your lore weaver, with the table, to come up with the best solution for this. So an example is when I was doing my fireball example, they were in the woods, they were looking for another host, one of our character's roommates, because we were at a private school. They were in the woods, a teacher had taken the student and was a member of the void and was trying to just cleanse them of their deity, wasn't trying to kill them. They decided, we want to fight her. Cool. We ran combat. When they rolled super high and were like, I'm going to fight her, I was like, you got 14? What do you want to do? You can do anything. I wanted them to shine in those moments. So giving them the ability to shine while also being like, you just burned down the entire forest. How are you guys going to get out of here? My people who were working with the sun god were able to use their chariot feature, which is a fifth level feature, to run away very quickly. Got themselves into the situation and they were working with a fire god. They probably couldn't get themselves out of that situation without their friend who was working with a sun god. I was just thinking how interesting that is and how well thought out the interaction between these deities is. Like, it's really interesting. It is pretty cool looking at the different deities and the different abilities. If we chose to metagame it, we could come up with an interesting three-man team of various abilities, but we don't usually do that. We don't normally do that, yeah. three individual characters and just see how they smash together. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Speaking of three, it is time for round number three, Gentlemen to the Dice. That was a nice segue. We we haven't had time for a lightning round in a long time. We may actually have time for a lightning round tonight. (laughs) Oof. Let's see. Oof. Three. Another 19 for me. Nice. What do you got, Leonika? I was looking at an 18, but my disadvantage drops me to a 13. So you've mentioned this a couple times, that you call your game masters the lore weavers, which Scoops. I thought was such a... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was such a wonderful title. What I want to pick your brain on and have you wax poetic about is, why do you call them lore weavers, and what does that encapsulate about what their role is in the game, and just by title, what does that bring to the game? What does that mean about the approach to the game that that is gonna that the lore weavers are going to bring? Yeah, for everyone who hasn't read, or lore weaver is synonymous with GM, DM, things like that. It's going to be your person running your game. When I sat down to work on coming up with the like scope of my game and things like that, I kept going back to the epics, kept going back to the people who sat down to write the Odyssey. I was thinking a lot about it, and other terms I got from this would be my strings of fate, which is going to be your character interaction creation process. That, along with my lore weavers, are essentially in charge of building the story. Because in the end of the day, it is a story that you are doing. It's a book trope. It's based off long, epic poems. And it should feel like that. That's where I picked the term lore weaver from. I wanted someone who would weave together the words and give our players their lore. Nice, nice. I dig it. That fits right into along with what we use. We use the term storyteller, which we unabashedly stole from Vampire the Masquerade. I was about to say, I yeah, totally got that from World yeah. of Darkness. Absolutely. Yeah. We're old war. But We're it, old it world encompassed long, for so, us yeah. at that point. And that was also when we played Vampire the Masquerade and we were into LARPing. That was a really formative yeah. time in our role-playing years where I think we really started to make the transition from Game Masters to... Yeah. actual storytellers yeah. so that's I'm why we glommed really onto big... that so much but i like War- lore weaver a lot too that's really cool yeah. i'm really uh, big into vampire i have a yeah. almost oh my gosh four year long campaign that i've been running all right what's uh, your plan so i am actually the storyteller we right. are based in austin however i play in another game which is a hodgepodge game where i actually play mage oh, she's an wow. it is it's tough. mage is complicated that's it's, yeah this is coming from the data analyst. That's like mage yeah. is tough. So yeah. if you can figure that one out, kudos I, I to played you. an orphan in one game because I had played everything else, and I'm like, well, I guess mage is next on the list. And <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> yeah, it's just wow. Yeah, the only yeah. two that came easy for me were was vampire and werewolf. They came very yeah. easy. Yes. Changeling was yeah. tough. Wraith is tough. Is rough. Yeah. yeah, Wraith yeah. was really difficult, but yeah. I did okay with that. But I found mage to be very difficult. <laughs> wraith is great in a wraith game wraith yes. is tough in a mixed genre game yes. that's, the, that's the thing yeah yeah, yeah i only uh, ever did the vampire and the werewolf yeah, yeah. i've yeah. never played as a werewolf but i mm. live and so die by playing a ventrue every yeah. day 
I can there we are. Oh, no. <laughs> ah, My first server was a Toreador, though. I do love me a good Toreador. That's, I love I'm a good, totally with that perfect, yep. a person or- draped over a couch lamenting <laughs> about how yep. beautiful things yep. are. Oh. But I do love the power suit, a person who runs the HOA and yep. is in charge of all of the kindred housing in the city. Oh, tell me her name is Karen. Tell me her <laughs> name is Karen. <laughs> her name's Patricia. <laughs> Uh, That's a close oh. second. Yeah, a close um, second, yeah. So. Whoa, whoa. My wife is named Patricia. I'm telling you. Patricia. Patricia. Wait a minute. <laughs> Your wife's name is Trish to me. Yeah. I recognize the full name, but she's Trish yeah. to me. I'll make sure and tell my mom that you think that her sister is, is named is named poorly. That's I mean, you, you had better not, and I will call you a liar to your face. I will call you a liar to your face. It's on radio, so I don't have yeah, to. And lie. I'm going to be I'm editing just, the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you were still flexible enough to get your foot in your mouth. She will love you still get that 11 dexterity. All right, Mr. Um, Miller, it, it's your question. So what we, what it, I don't know how I come back from venture being number one that is really difficult for me because i'm all la sombra all time oh uh, i love a good la yeah. sombra we just so, added one to our game oh, fantastic so good. i think adventure was la sombra didn't quite make the cut you're on you're riding pine while so the amazingly wrong but that's a separate um, issue yeah so since my war weaver question got <laughs> so deaf deftly i might add very good question you mentioned the fact that this was your second game and i do want to stay on this game a lot but it intrigued me when you said this is your second game because I'm wondering, one, what was your first game? And part two of that question is, how did that come together? And what lessons did you learn from that that have led you to build this game? How does that factor into this? It's kind of weird. I started working on this game before Out of Time. Out of Time is a solo journaling game. You can find it on itch. It's free. I really just wanted to write a solo game. You draw cards and based on the card and the color will inform you of your prompt to write about. You play as a person out of time. They are in charge of documenting history as it actually is, not what was written in a history book, but as actual moments. You have a stopwatch and you click it to jump around time, essentially. You have 15 jumps and so you write 15 journal entries. Each entry is either in the past or the future. So past being cards that are red, future being cards that are black. Each one has a list of prompts, and then you write about that. You are also given the choice to interact with history. So if you pull an even card, you are interacting in the scene. So for example, if you have a red red eight and the prompt is love, you could write about being the person who just popped into time and then spent 50 years in this period because you fell in love with the first person you saw and you can write this really long, beautiful story about love. And then you click to time. Now you're in the future and you rolled a black three. So now you're writing about anger and it's you observing someone who is angry kind of situation. So that's out of time. It's just this little kind of fun game I threw together because at the time I was going through a lot of different solo games. I was doing a lot of journaling, just getting myself back into writing from being gone from writing for so long. So I could sit down and work on A Divine Calling and give it the actual attention it needed. So I put together this game, played it for myself, and I said, you know what? It's cute. So I just threw it up on itch for people to play. Awesome. Nice. So just to finish off the like the second part of his question there, what oh, do you two learn from that's okay, no, I'm fascinated because we too are in like the creative space where from book to book we have learned lots of things and one of the things we have not learned is how to shut up. What did you learn from the process of writing a kind of a single solo game to writing this and how what kind of lessons yeah. are you able to carry forward? So definitely this was a great go at Adobe. So I use Adobe every day at work, but I do not use it the same way you use it when you are creating. I got to really mess around with the accessibility features of Adobe with this because again, I'm all about accessibility. I make all of my games to be in beautiful, amazing Prismacolor and then to be just a regular straight text based so people who use readers and things like that can have access to my game. This really gave me a chance to mess around with those accessibility features and see what Adobe really does have to offer me because I am the lead designer. I do all the writing and everything. So when it comes into throwing everything to Adobe, it's going to be me. So it was a really great chance to work on that. 
Excellent. Makes it yeah. my turn. Okay. So you were talking about them earlier. And as I was reading through a divine calling, one of the mechanics that stood out to me that I knew I was going to have to ask you about, and this is the one I was afraid was going to get scooped if I mentioned that it had to do with your crit fail crit success system. Um, is your crit fail crit success system. I say that because you don't actually reach that in the document until after you've already read about what can happen during some crit successes and crit failures. There's a number of abilities tied to whenever you have a crit failure, which to me implied that it was going to happen more often than I was used to because you roll a one on a 20. I mean, it can come up pretty often, but it is not that common. Your critical fail method on a 2d6 with bonuses is a 1 through 3, which is getting a 1 or a 2, or snake eyes. So obviously it's not going to happen that often. But mathematically and gameplay-wise, because you're also critical success on over 12, right? So if you get the your two sixes plus any bonuses, you're going to get well into the critical success range. So... In gameplay-wise, in your playtests, and as you played through it, particularly given how so many of the banes were tied to critical failures, how often do crit fails and crit successes come up? Is it more so than people would be used to in a D20 game where you only crit success on a 1 or a 20? Or does it work out to be about the same? Because I really like that you made it collaborative. So I'll shut up now and let you talk about frequency <laughs> and uh, how it affects gameplay. So I did add the crit failure as a collaborative thing because I have been at tables where the crit fail so vividly impacted what my character did. My second time playing D&D in college, I crit failed, backflipped into a fire and died. That's not at all what I would have had have had happen to my character. But that's that's pretty extreme, yeah. Yeah, that experience is what created this collaborative failure system as well. In my playtesting, I don't know if my players have cursed dice or what and i gave them the dice so maybe i set them up for failure but we <laughs> rolled a lot of crit fails and we got to play with those banes a lot really for everyone the bane system essentially is a negative impact that comes from failing so as a popular kid your bane is paparazzi essentially if you can't hide everyone's going to know it because you are what everyone has their eyes on. So if you fail a sneak roll, everyone's already got their eyes on you. So it means your next attempt at sneaking is going to be harder. Ideally, in a world where dice don't always roll terribly, you're going to have about an average success rate. You're going to mostly play with success and fails and things like that. But in an unhappy world where everyone fails their roles for a whole session, you'll get to play with some of those really fun negative mechanics. But again, they're collaborative, so you get a chance to all work together on failures. Awesome. I love that. I really love the collaborative nature of it and how every time you roll either a crit success or a crit failure, like it's collaborative. It's like it's you're working with the lore weaver to go ahead and say, okay, what does actually happen? Here's what I want to have happen. How do we go ahead and actually work this out? There's nothing prescribed about the critical successes or failures. I really liked that concept a lot. That was really interesting. Examples are pretty good too. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. another kind of good reason I added collaboration on that crit success is because as a storyteller, I've had someone roll infinite amount of successes in Vampire and then my whole plot's out the window. You want to give everyone an equal chance at the game. Coming from the tabletop world of most fantasy settings and the formerly biggest on the block, or while they're still big, they're clearly not the best. But I've always railed against the direct mechanical application of that critical success. Like I've always done much more narrative things with it. And it's not just that you automatically get it. It's not just that you double your dice. For me, it's always been because doubling your dice doesn't guarantee that you did any better than a regular Mm -hmm. roll. So for me, it's always been max on the die and then you roll on top of that. So you're always doing better than you than max, but it's always narrative for me. It's like you are not only doing the thing you attempted to do, but you're advancing your story in some fashion. Now you've beaten the enemy, they fall down, even if you don't have a power to do that, or they're staggered, or they're rethinking their life choices right now because they just <laughs> got hammered real bad. It's lightning just came down at the gates of the city like for the 18th <laughs> time, and they're about ready to say, I'm done with this mess. That's my send-up to Glenn right there. I have one back. I have one back. I've been sitting here trying to decide whether or not to interrupt you that, <laughs> with something like that awkward moment when your opponent 
it executes a fantastic sudden kick disarm move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and at a certain point, you're like, what just happened here? You're holding your wrist. These are the kinds of things that you want to do very narratively and collaborative collaboratively and i love the fact that your game is designed to do that it's weird that you have to mechanically design a way to not be mechanical but that's exactly what you need to do in this circumstance i just love the way that expresses itself cool all right gents with about 10 minutes left uh, to go here tonight i think that we have got enough time for a lightning round definitely a lightning Uh, round crystal normally the way we do this lightning round self-explanatory short questions short answers same goofy initiative mechanic. Not actually required to be short with your answers. We say yeah. that, but <laughs> that's talk true. as that's much true. as you want. That's true, yeah. Short questions, if nothing else. That's And that's as much for them as it is for you. We try not uh, to pick heavy-hitting questions for basically. <laughs> that's a 13 for me. 15. All right. Thankfully, we don't carry disadvantage over to the next <laughs> interview. Oh. Yeah. Man, I am cool. rolling like junk tonight. All right. I need to get well, this all out of the way. You just roll another time. one for your last question. This is the first time that's happened, right? So maybe we I... need to decide if inter- – no, it wouldn't be fair for, for this advantage <laughs> to carry on to the next yeah. session. Just leave the interview. Either that or we just get to ask one of his questions. I think that would be fun. Ben <laughs> right? twice tonight. I think that part has already happened. All right, Glenn. The microphone so is So I get yours. to be first with the lightning round? All right. My yeah. lightning round question is for all four of us, and I'll give you Ooh. my answer first, and then we'll let Crystal go, and then you two can decide. Side. You two can go on order of your initiative. Ha. So as I was reading A Divine Calling, I kept having different characters from different stories throughout my life or my childhood pop into my head. Because as I said, we've all, we're all familiar with the trope, right? And one kept coming up more and more, and that's what this question is based off of. So my question is, while reading A Divine Calling or writing A Divine Calling, is there one IP, story, book, movie, film, comic, overall character and storyline that you could see that person could be going to school in this game. And what is it? Mine is A Golden Child with Eddie Murphy from a gazillion years ago. Though not the star (laughs) Eddie Murphy, but the child himself would now be a high school student as an exchange ever. And he's the one in high school now. But I loved that film growing up, and this very much made me think of the Golden mm. Child because he was—he spent most of that movie, all of that movie, yep. in the clutches of yep. the evil cult, the Void, so to speak, from mm-hmm. the, the Divine Calling. And yeah, I love that movie. For anybody who's seen it, yep. Ooh, good uh, answer. Right, I really love the books Anti-Goddess by Kinder Blake. They are based off of Greek mythology. So you have Athena and you have Apollo and Ares, and they keep getting reincarnated into high school bodies, essentially. One of the main characters is also Cassandra, different things like that. And so when I was running my home game, doing my playtesting, I really just kept thinking about those characters what if jason was actually in high school and he just keeps getting brought back and i played a lot with the idea that the gods have just keep having people and they're like please just stop the void just stop them and that's kind of where i went with mine and i just i really love greek mythology i think it's very accessible it makes great examples for everything that's not to say you can't use another pantheon but i tried to pick a very accessible pantheon for everyone obviously greek's not that too so that's yeah (laughs) right i thought it was great i like a lot of the pantheons the italians had to take it from them (laughs) (laughs) all right so i've got two and i'm trying to decide in between them so i'm just going to go ahead and roll out with two and hopefully i steal uh, louis nikos you you talk about you talk about like old movies from the 80s that were like when i was a kid that were like formative to the movies that i would watch like over and over again and there's this probably awful movie that I loved as a kid called Cloak and Dagger. And it's about Dude, these I two... Love that, that, movie. Is, that, that is Debbie Coleman? Oh my yeah. god, that was... No. <laughs> For people that haven't seen it, about these that two like young, dweeby kids that get in contact with this spy, but the spy is really not there. He's actually a ghost. That That whole, like, that whole thing. So I, Or like, a figment of imagination. Or, right, I mean, exactly. Like, like, kind of, Yep. So oh. I see that. I see that one too. And then the other one that I saw was the kid from Flight of the Navigator. I think that kind of like the like space mm-hmm. affiliation. Not that space is one of the domains that you've got, but that again, like loner character who who accedes into something beyond kind of himself. Those two. I can't go back and forth. I keep going back and forth on that. Probably the Cloak and Dagger, just because that's such a great throwback. It's that's such, such a, a great movie. I hadn't thought about that movie mm. in probably fifteen years, and I love that kind of came up. It was not the movie I was thinking of, but 
by saying cloak and dagger you immediately made me think of the late 80s film and i think it was andrew mccarthy but it was gotcha or where they went oh, around wow. with gotcha guns in college that's a deep I, cut yeah that's, oh, that was a yeah. great movie okay. and, that, and that, 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 that was that was a lot of fun uh, which of course brings me to a more recent film tag with jeremy renner which was amazing fun and even like, game I, night yeah like, uh, like i just want jeremy renner to get healthy because he's a great actor and i want him to be healthy yep, but yep. i would love for them to do tag again because i've been thinking a lot about will wheaton of late i think taps would be an ip i would enjoy seeing like basically if the high school was a military school where aries has a lot of sway so mm -hmm. to speak i would oh I that, that would, could be that, fun that would be yeah. a pretty yeah. interesting game to run yeah. Just a bunch of people with a bunch of different war deities. Yeah. All being yep. like, nice. but I'm the best war deity. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, it's Athena's, no, you guys are children. I am best. So I love these kind of questions because they are they are impossible to answer and lots of fun to watch you squirm. So here it comes. The gods have given you the dream and allowed you to run an actual play of your game with your choice of players from anybody who's at your table erica ishii and erica ishii again <laughs> 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 wow five erica I, I like it yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't love erica ishii at all erica ishii marisha ray b dave walters i like a good four to five person table brennan and abria mm -hmm. i like it I, like I think it. they would have too much fun. And just because it would be so fun to see him do it, Jason Carl can run it. I'd love to see him do something semi-whimsical. Excellent. I like it. Brennan Excellent. cannot run it, specifically. <laughs> no. All right, Mr. Miller, your lightning round question. My lightning round question. I struggled with this as well because I had a lightning round question, but I got scooped twice, so I had to use that already. You were talking earlier about the fact that you're still doing writing for this. This book gets completed. This book is as well-received as I expect it will be and you have the ability to do a follow-up for this book what do you envision being your next update or expansion mm -hmm. for this game what comes next there's two that immediately come to mind so the first one is everyone wants me to write it for college kids so yep. instead of clicks it's majors i'm assuming a lot of people really struggle with playing high schoolers i did want to really dig into the ya trope in the beginning so college would be next and then i'd really love to write like a full adventure book for it give them a whole setting take them through here's the school here's a bunch of npcs here's the plot kind of situation like that i found a lot of my critique was that there wasn't a lot of that in there i don't want to go super deep into it in my first book i still want to give everyone the chance to flesh it out themselves but if things go amazingly and people are like we have to have more after we do college that's where I'd be going as well. I think that the college years, like play on like the Save by the Bell like, mm -hmm. college years, I think that would be uh, be fantastic. There's a lot of things that you can bring into the game that changes some of the scope of the scene in the college years. Yeah. But some of the stuff is going on in high school too. Let's yeah. be honest. Cool. That has brought us to our time. Crystal, this has been so much fun to go ahead and sit down and talk with you tonight. Thank you so very much for coming on here. As we sign off tonight, can you let our listeners know where and when can they find A Divine Calling and uh, what's the best way to connect with you? Of course. So we're very big on Twitter. So my personal Twitter is at gal56geek. My actual username is gingergeekgal56. And if you're looking to get to our game Twitter, it is going to be at a underscore divine calling the u the username is going to be a divine calling we do go live on kickstarter october 1st 2023 so we still are ramping up with all of our promos and things like that we got some art back we have a kickstarter promo flyer that we've been passing out kind of situation so we're definitely on the move for things so we excellent. are expecting to have a lot more coming very quickly all right, excellent. Make sure when, when you get that preview link, you send it our way so that we can go ahead and send that out and let people know about it. Absolutely. Next week on the show, we have Sarah and Morgan from Merely NPCs to talk about their podcast and the stuff they're doing over on their channel. So that will be a good time. And what started last Tuesday, we'll continue on for the next couple weeks here, is the actual play of A Divine Calling featuring Crystal running the game. It's going to be a good time because I'm really looking forward to playing a game that is a little bit lighter. We've been playing some heavy stuff lately, and so I'm really looking forward to something that, that we can kind of lean into in a really fun way. I'm really looking forward to that. So. 
that'd be a good time. Me so, too. But I'm going to be honest. I know for a fact it's going to be a good time because I don't think yeah, I've ever absolutely. sat down at the table with you two gentlemen and not <laughs> had a good time. So, we do tend to have some fun. And I think Crystal will fit right in there, and I think it's going to be a great time. I absolutely yeah. agree. I have selected my deity already, so. Yeah, uh, I haven't don't, picked don't anything spoil. else. Don't I started yeah. there, but I locked that in. I, I have a feeling I know what I'm going to do. Excellent. All right, everybody. Thanks so very much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week when we have our interview with Merely NPCs coming. And make sure you're checking out the A Divine Calling actual play running on Tuesdays for the rest of the month here. So, Crystal Norton, thanks so very much for joining us again. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Thanks again, Crystal. And folks out there, listen to us on Good Pods. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at TT Journeys. Joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. Our full episodes come out every week on Friday. And every Tuesday features actual play and gameplay showcase episodes. Looking for early access? You can support the show and get episodes before everyone else at www.patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. Check it out today and see all the awesome benefits we bring to our supporters. Lastly, if you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible, We would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And we bid you fair tides, friends, for Legends Await.